to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. And joining me for the first segment is a friend of the program, Savannah Hamilton. Sav, how you doing? Hey, well, I'm good. How are you? Uh, are, are you still in Sacramento or are you already down in San Francisco? We are already in San Francisco. You guys, you guys weren't staying overnight in, in Sacramento. You guys were good on that. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were good. We bussed down uh, late last night after the game, and uh, it was good vibes in the bus. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, independently, Lisa, I actually heard something about that, and uh, no, it's good to hear because you know I think they deserve it. That was a really good performance. It was a really good win to me. Watching at a home, um, I had to like really contain my excitement because you know it, it was like midnight when this game was taking place. Um, yeah. And so I, I couldn't, you know, be as uh, as enthusiastic, you know, as, as I usually am in the 600-level sab. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, of course. Um, you know, not, <laughs> not quite the same when uh, <laughs> my partner's trying to sleep and go to work in the morning. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Uh, but a really great performance, though. Raptors winning last night um, by a score of 113-95. I want to start with the defense because Sacramento had literally been um, the most, you know, they just scored the most points in the league. They averaged 120 points per game. Um, mm-hmm. And before last night, they had only had one game where they were held under 100 points, which was once against New York, where they lost, uh, where New York held them to 99. Toronto goes into their building, holds them to 95, mm-hmm. forces mm-hmm. 19 turnovers out of them. I mean, Savannah, like, is that the Raptors' best defensive performance of the season? I think the stats speak for themselves. And yeah, because they didn't just do that against any team. They did it against one of the best offenses, the number one offense at home mm-hmm. uh, in the entire league. And when you see performances like those, you know, you can't help but but, but wonder or say, where was this all season? I know. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, definitely was one of their best defensive uh, performances overall. And yeah, like, I mean, if you want to get to the nitty gritty of things, like, you know, you saw so much defensive effort and collective effort against Sabonis and then De'Aaron Fox and just the way they limited them by double-teaming. Well, actually, they double-teamed De'Aaron. They definitely double-teamed Sabonis, but they double-teamed De'Aaron um, a lot, too, to make that entry pass very hard to Sabonis, which I'd love to get into as well. But I would love to hear your thoughts, Will, too, because, I mean, I wasn't beside you last night, so. <laughs> yeah, no, typically uh... – no, typically I would have been going going wild for that performance. Honestly, it, it was it was really good because you know when we were down at uh, shoot around on Tuesday before you guys flew out. Um, shout out to you and your six bags, by the way. You know you were you were definitely well prepared for this long road trip. Um, but you know we were down at practice and there was a whole thing where Thad was talking about. Okay, we just went through this you know film session and we got to get back to our identity defensively and literally everything that you talked about, which I guess Nick Nurse didn't really want it to be out there. But honestly, who cares, right? I'm happy to hear that they're working their defense. Um, but everything Thad described, uh, which we went through on the show yesterday with CJ Miles, about you know, um, you know, being in your gaps, you know, the high walls, um, people rotating for each other, all that kind of stuff. It was all present last night, and it really showed you the potential of what the Raptors can do defensively. Because again, like I, I know it's just Sacramento, so it doesn't sound as impressive as like, ooh, we just went in and shut out like the Milwaukee Bucks or shut out the the Boston Celtics or anything like that. The Raptors were so good defensively, and especially against um, Fox, who is such a good transition threat, and then also Sabonis, who's such a good half-court threat. And the fact that Sabonis, he he coughed up a career-high nine turnovers um, mm-hmm. from the Raptors last night. And look, the Raptors didn't have a natural center to guard him. A lot of it was OG, 
But also at the same time, a lot of it was great help from Fred, from Pascal. And that's my big takeaway is just looking at the Raptors, helping each other, playing together as a team. You can be very good defensively individually, but the best defenses are the ones that help each other. It feels like mm-hmm. there's a six man on the court. And yeah, I mean, again, I, it, I, my, I guess my question is like, where was this all season? But uh, yeah, Sav, I mean, that, that defense in person, I mean, it felt like Sacramento yeah. couldn't even get any room to breathe, you know? No, it was swarming. Like, and, and this is the vision. Like, I think last night was almost like the taste test of what Masai and Bobby put together, and that what they wanted to see all season. It was that swarming defense, that physical defense, because, you know, Sabonis, like, let's be honest, he got bullied in the oh, post. And yep. It's really hard to bully an all-star, <laughs> and especially as big as, like, he's like a seven-footer, right? So, uh, or almost, at least, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, anyway, so he... So he's a very physical guy himself, but yet last night they they kind of made him look um, like like kind of like he was a first year player all of a sudden all, all, all of a sudden again and like you know Scotty did it by moving him off the post like just by getting physical getting into his back a little bit but like obviously without being uh, without fouling and then it's almost like the, the the Raptors were just taking turns on him like. Scotty would be playing off of him, and then boom, OG's on him now. And then right. OG be playing off of them, and then you know Chris Boucher added this amazing spark off the bench, and he's like blocking shots right at the rim and stuff like that. So you know you got to give the Raptors credit because they never caught a break. Like it was, they had um, some three point opportunities, and we saw Herder hit a few. Mm-hmm. But you know if Herder is like one of your lead scorers on that team, you are in great shape. Because the main thing, of course, was Sabonis, because he really is the engine on that team. I think Darren Fox is really amazing. But and Sabonis, if you look at his numbers, you know he's not averaging like 20, 30 points a game, mm-hmm. but he's averaging like enough points. But he's kind of like a distributor. He um, he's kind of like the anchor on their offense and defensive side. And so if you rattle him, you kind of rattle the whole thing. And it's funny because I was thinking about, you know, back when Sabonis was in Indiana, he really struggled against the Raptors too. I think the Raptors just have his number. Like there's something about this. There's something about Sabonis and the Raptors that don't quite mix. And, um, you know, he, like he talked to me, Sabonis talked to me before the game Mm -hmm. and he was very aware of what the Raptors can bring. He told me, he's like, I understand that like their record isn't the best right now, but it's going to be a dogfight. And given the tone in the Sacramento locker room, it seemed like a lot of the other guys were a bit more relaxed. But here is like Sabonis like putting up a, a sweat, an intense sweat in shoot around, and then you know coming in immediately into the locker room like pretty much like meaning business. Like he knew what was coming, um, despite the fact that you know uh, the Raptors record is, is what it is. But I was also thinking about this, Well, Like, you, you kind of brought up a good point. Yes, no, like, this isn't against the Milwaukee Bucks or the Bostons. Um, and, like, not even, like, like, a Memphis Grizzlies. But at the same time, like, the way that the Sacramento Kings have been playing, yeah. like, they are right up there. And I think we don't give them enough credit. And it's almost like if we don't give the Sacramento Kings enough credit for how far they've come as an organization, then we're almost discrediting our own, def- our own performance against them. Because this is a top team that, you know, like I mean, would you be surprised if they make it to you know a second round, maybe even a Western Conference Finals? Maybe I'd be surprised if it was a Western Conference, fi- sure, conference yeah. Finals, but a second round appearance, not at all. Yeah, no, I mean, look, listen, I, I was pretty impressed with them just watching them last night, even though obviously they're essentially the Raptors were in so many gaps and stuff like that, they were just like disconnecting their offense. 
Um, even still, though, they had really quick ball movement. A lot of guys were really empowered to attack and score, right? Keegan Murray is a rookie just coming in there and, you know, you know, taking contested threes and, and confidently stepping into those or, like, driving against OG on a closeout and getting all the way to the rim and finishing with the left over Pascal. There's, like, these guys are obviously Kevin Herter with the headband. I, well, he doesn't need the headband, but that's okay. He got the headband on, okay? Um, and, and you know, he's knocking down shots, and they're just, like, it, it's tough to play that team. I mean, last night... Even despite the Raptors playing great defensively, they still shot 48% from the field, 41% yep. from three, and 92% from the free throw line. Like, that's a team that really is able to just execute. Now, you got to give Mike Brown a ton of credit. I think he's probably mm-hmm. going to be one of those leading candidates when you hear about Coach of the Year this season. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good team. And I think that, of course, as you mentioned, it's really about disconnecting the play from DeMontis Sabonis on both ends of the floor. The Raptors were able to get at him defensively, which is not a surprise. We've seen that over the years. But also, you know... Um, just cutting him off offensively. Like, yes, he had nine turnovers in last night's game. I'm just looking through some of the recent performances against Toronto. Um, he's had a five turnover game against Toronto earlier this year as well. So in the two meetings against Sacramento, they forced him into 14 turnovers just by himself. Last season, they had a game where they forced Sabonis into six turnovers. Another game previous to that, they had six turnovers out of him. So they really have done a great job of sort of like, you know, they have a good game plan against them. I think what I'm trying to say Um but then again, I just think that that togetherness, that willingness to help each other on defense, we've just been missing that for so much of the season. And yeah. I, I don't know, like, if if that's the impression that you got from talking to the players, you know, before and after the game. But, like, you know, was this all just that magical practice where they showed them the video and all that kind of stuff? Like, because that <laughs> focus was noticeably different from yes. start to finish than most other games this season, if not all of them. It was definitely the practice. No, um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it'd be nice if it was, you know. Nick's like, hey, you guys, well, it turns out we actually can play defense. Let's just do all this stuff I'm showing I think, you. I think Stad should talk to the media more often. <laughs> I agree. Best interview on the team. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, he really is. Yeah. Um, no, he's great. And he always has a, such a great basketball mind. And I think that, like, um, kind of with everything, with all the rumors and the trade stuff, like, it's such an, a nice break to talk about like how the Raptors are doing on the court and being successful. And yes, to answer your question, like such a different demeanor on the team. Um, Just starting from that practice, exactly what you pointed out. Like I went to shoot around before the game and, you know, like everybody, I can just tell everybody's really locked in, not to say that they haven't been like that in previous shoot around, but there's just almost like an extra layer mm. of like focus that I was feeling from them. Like I know OG, I spoke to him before the game and he was like, no, nah, I'm ready. I'm ready, ready. Okay, and I yeah. was like, Oh, okay. Like, and don't forget, like he was coming off of that, like right ankle, like soreness injury. Um, and then, uh, and then, and I talked to Gary and, you know, I asked Gary, like, uh, in the, in the scrum kind of like, Hey, like, you know, how do you face this team? And he's like, yeah, like, he kind of gives me the same the same answer, like stick to our principles, da da da. da. And then I, and then off camera, I asked him, okay, no, for real though, how do you chase this team off the line without your defense collapsing? And then he was like, well, we're about to walk through some stuff and shoot around. We're gonna make sure that we're focused and locked in on this because we definitely like this is the team that we want to take care of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so there's a little extra pride I think in this one because I think I think they probably knew the expectation wasn't super high for the Raptors against the Kings just yep. because like, um, you know, every the way everything's been and they actually, they lost the Kings previously, but only by like a bucket earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, like credit to, to Mike Brown, as you also said, like, you know, he took some of that golden state warriors offense. And that's actually something that I talked to precious about after the game. 
um, uh, I believe it was Precious or was it Fred? I think it was Precious. <laughs> um, I, I talked to him about after after the game. I said like, uh, you know, you guys just faced uh, a team that kind of stole the playbook a little bit from Golden State Warriors, given mm-hmm. the fact that the coach coached there. Um, you know, g- now you guys are going into the Golden State Warriors next. H- how hard is it to duplicate this effort? How hard is it to to match this? And he's like, okay, well. If we basically, if we could do it once, we could do it again. Right. Like, right. Um, and and this is like the the launching pad. And, and Precious really talked to the team identity piece as well. He's like, I said, how long do you think it will take until you truly get back to that Raptors defensive identity? And he's like, well, performances like this certainly help. And this is a great launching pad. And I don't think it'll be taking long at all. Mm. So there's definitely like a positive tone. They're don't be wrong. They're not celebrating. Like they're not yeah, like, whoa, we just won the championship. No, yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. There, but they are. I can tell that there's a lot of pride in this win, um, and, and in previous wins, I don't think they were as sweet as this one. So this one is a good one. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it's weird to say this against Sacramento, but they're truly playing really well this season. Um, obviously, Precious has been a big part of that sort of defensive, you know, turnaround. His ability defensively is huge. But you know, and and, and I wanted to get into his bench performance as well. But I also think that look, at the bottom line is you need your leaders from top down to be to be bought in defensively, right? They need to sort of set the tone more than almost anybody else because people are going to be looking to them. If your leaders are taking plays off, sets the tone for the rest of the team to sort of take that play off as well. And I just thought that in that third quarter, Pascal Siakam was so Mm -hmm. good on both ends of the floor. Yes, he scored 14 points. Yes, he was going at guys and one-on-one and mid-range and all that stuff was working. He didn't even get to the free throw line last night because they weren't blowing the whistle, but he was still scoring, all that kind of stuff. But defensively, there was a stretch there where the game was tied 82 to 62. And for four straight yeah. possessions, Pascal Siakam rotated over at the basket and got a stop. He got a block. Yeah. He got a steal. He got two shot contests, vertical, no, no foul against Sabonis right at the basket. It's a bigger player, stopped him each time. And the Raptors literally came down every time and missed a wide open three. So they couldn't yep. extend the lead, but it just showed to me, Pascal has that next level defensively that he can get to. And that maybe this year at times because of the offensive load, he's not able to get into it or not access it all the time, but he had that high level. And then Fred as well, four steals, two blocks to me. They're all six steals. I mean, Fred doesn't, you know, jump up and meet anybody at the rim and block them or anything, but you know, like he was excellent defensively yesterday too, forcing a lot of turnovers. So it starts with the top guys and then everyone else follows. I mean, to be honest, everyone else, brings that energy in a consistent basis anyway. But it was great yep. to see that from the leaders in, in particular. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy that you touched on Fred because, like, Fred was, like, the unsung hero on defense that, you know, I think I don't think we've quite seen um, this level of, like, this level of defensive performance um, from Fred that we have, like, that we could come to expect. I mean, we saw a lot of it last season, and I think this season, it's not just, like, Fred is not necessarily, like, your one-on-one defender, no, right? No. He's a guy that does so well in systems. Like, he could be such a pest when the whole system, defensive system, is, is working really well, like like five guys on a string. And what he did last night was the 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 example of it because what would happen is he was on De'Aaron a few times and De'Aaron was trying to get the, the inbound pass to, I'm sorry, the, the entry pass to uh, Sabonis. Mm-hmm. And the moment that pass was in the air, um, two guys would be on Sabonis. So Sabonis would be guarded by OG and the next, you know, Scotty's rotating or Pascal's rotating right, over. Right. And then the moment he, the moment that 
Sabonis put the ball by his waist level or um, dare he take a dribble to gather himself to go up, that ball was stripped from him, and that was from Fred. That's how Fred got his, his steals. And so, yeah, you t- like you pointed it out. That set the tone because, like, no – I think the bench sees, like, what the starters were doing um, and were like, yo, we can't come in here and just drop that level of energy. Like, if that's working, if that's successful, then we got to figure out how to maintain that. And that's exactly what the bench did. And credit to them because that hasn't always been the case all season. Um, and so, yeah, I think that yesterday, like, was just the best example probably all season. Like, you said it's the best defense, yes, but I think it was the best team performance. It was the best – um, level of trust level on defense of, of like the help side rotation, knowing that it's coming. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I hope that they're able to take this and use this as like, Hey, this is the example of what works. Uh, let's do it again. Um, but yeah, precious absolutely made that impact. Chris Boucher, yeah. he was, it was actually a toss up between Pascal and Chris Boucher of who's going to get that walk off interview. Really? Uh, okay. Yep. It was because Boucher just came in with such a, a spark, especially in the first half. Right, two blocks um, right at the rim right away. Exactly. And you're like, oh, I know that's 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 what, you know, that Nick Nurse is not going to bench Chris after he sees that. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> not, not after that. Yeah. <laughs> you can. And also the fact that, like, you know, he had, like, what, 16 points as well? Yep, so, yep. super aggressive. Uh, yeah, he hit two threes. Like, he kind of kind of extended the lead there like he was a huge factor in why they kind of got that gap going and then pascal and, and the starters maintained it like they went on a 22 to 7 run in mm. the third quarter right. and we all know that the third quarter has been like the weak spot for the raptors all season and so when the starters came out really strong building off of what the bench did at the end of the second quarter like coming just before half um you know it, it all kind of just flowed and like you you saw like a maintained raptors and like i said like man, you want to see this type of performance time after game after game after game because this is the vision that Bobby and Masai had originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and look, it's a shame that we've – this is like game 49 of the season and we're talking about finally Never they, they show us. But you know what? Like, you know what? Fine. As long as you do show us eventually, right? And, of course, this is that make-or-break road trip. And we've said this about the, the last homestand as well. This is the make-or-break homestand. I mean, look, listen. I think management understands the long view and they see the talent here. And it's really just about how to augment it, how to make sure that mix is, is ready to make it to the next level. Obviously they're behind schedule this year. It's very, very far behind schedule. And we'll definitely talk more about trades in the second half here, but like, yeah, I thought this was a great performance and it's great to see it from the, the bench. Really happy for Chris. Um, you know, great documentary out too. If you haven't checked that out as well. Um, so, you know, we know what this, what Chris can do uh, on both ends of the floor. Precious, though, Precious starting to really open some eyes for me, man. Precious, 9 of 12 from the field. There were games last year, Precious would go like 3 of 12 from the field on these exact same looks. And whether that was him rushing the shot or him not making the right passes or him forcing a shot here or there, um, there are always going to be like a select couple of moments where Precious becomes a little over-aggressive. But Uh I've loved the approach that he's taken since coming back. And yeah, 9 of 12 yesterday, such great patience finishing around the basket. What did you see from Precious? Because right, to me right now, he is clearly the Raptors' best bench player. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So um, Precious, a while ago, he was talking about his favorite books that he's been reading while he was injured. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I, I was asking him, like, in the locker room, kind of following up on that, I'm like, okay, out of all those books, which one is your favorite? And he said, um, chop wood, carry water, how to fall in love with the process of becoming great. And out of curiosity, you know, being the journalist that I am, mm-hmm. I decided to go get the book oh, and I started okay. reading it. All right. And oh my goodness, 
the amount of like Timbit's knowledge and like mindset training that mm-hmm. that book pretty much has in it into approaching the everyday mundane tasks in um, your best effort. I can see why he's kind of playing at the same level. If he's taken anything away from that book, then mm-hmm. um, it, it makes sense that um, it's kind of translating to the court now. Cause I think he's taking pride in all the little things and, whether that's like kind of like coming into practice an hour and an extra uh, hour earlier, um, you know, making the extra defensive effort. He also told me like on the court uh, that he's, he's been watching and observing OG a lot. Hmm. He says that like, he feels like they have a kind of like a similar, like athleticism level and they have right. natural, they both have natural gifts. Um, and he said he, he just wants to build on that. And he said that, you know, Hey, OG is such a strategic player that I would love to kind of pick his mind and, and, and continue with that. So, um, and so he's been really uh, watching OG's defense closely. And I think that's exactly like the combination of, you know, in that injury um, and the, in the, in the 24 games that he was injured, him getting his mental game right. And, you know, we're seeing the precious that we saw at the end of last year, kind of playing a lot more freely, kind of playing, um, and like using his like his athleticism to his advantage on both sides of the ball and not forcing anything like you still you still see the odd possession but like it's a lot more natural like you mm-hmm. see him making good instinctual um, reads right like if he's open on a three point shot he's not hesitating he's gonna take it um, sometimes he if he sees a, a guy that's gonna close out really hard on him he's already kicking it to the rim he's driving it immediately to the rim um, it's, it's so he's kind of like developed. Um, a, a lot more confidence. I would say, you know what the word is? It's assertiveness. Mm. He's developed a, a level of assertiveness now. And uh, I think he kind of was fi- trying to find that earlier in the, se- in the season. And um, I think after post-injury, he's like, no, 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 let's get back to, to my game and focus on what was working. It's kind of funny because Shrey kind of said the same thing to me um, a couple games ago where he's like, I'm just going to focus on my game and let the chips fall where they may, basically. And funny enough is that it's working. Yeah. <laughs> They're both playing pretty well. Yeah, no, no, I mean, seriously, I, I think the only unfortunate thing in the last, like, two weeks here is some of those narrow losses, right? That Minnesota game where you were all ready to, you know, do that walk-off interview and then the Raptors do yes. that. All right, so no interview. All right, um, you know, that Boston game, you know, they were leading for huge parts of it and they don't win that game or that Milwaukee game where they're leading. And, and it's just like some of those performances are just like so gut-wrenching because they had played well. And finally, we see them play well for the full 48. And finally, you got a walk-off interview. You know what, Pascal, who, you know, obviously, look, you know, he's, he's, he's always been great this whole season. I don't think there's any debate, really, whether he's going to make the All-Star team or not. His, just on his own merit. Like, you look at what he did last night, 26, 11, and, and, and 7, I think. And it's just like, yeah, okay, regular. And it's like also the defense as well, a true two-way player. And I, I like the answer that he gave you. You know, we just got to stick together. And I think that that's when mm-hmm. you hear enough of these Pascal interviews because you're doing them every day like you do, you do hear that consistent message from him. He doesn't blame anybody. He doesn't talk about anything about how, like, this guy's not doing it well, this guy's not doing it well. He's just like, we have to be together as a group. It doesn't matter if the bench lets us down one night. They're just going to do better next time, you know? And I think there is something about that positivity that is really, I don't know if it's holding the team together, but at the same time, I do like to hear that from the leader. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's great leadership to never really throw anybody under the bus. Like, and, and I and credit to, to the, you know, the Raptors as a whole in this whole season. Like, it's so easy to be like, well, if this player just did this, then maybe we wouldn't be doing this. Like, nobody has said that. Mm. Like, 
they've all get like even when when Scotty was not playing well beginning of the season, nobody was being like Scotty got to play better. Like nobody said that. Mm-hmm. Like on the team, his own teammates didn't say that. Um, everybody's like, oh, he's learning, he's young, he's growing. Right. Let's leave him, give him time. And now we're starting to see Scotty kind of come into his own a little bit now. I think like we're starting to see the like what Scotty exactly is. Um, and he's that guy that can give you twenty depending on a matchup. He's a very matched up based type player um but yeah so so like you said like going back to what pascal said and sticking together um i think it's great messaging and you're right he's probably been the most consistent player like i could almost tell you before i even like asked pascal a question what the answer is going to be we just got to win we right. just got to win got to stick together we got to win yeah. <laughs> that's like two things he says <laughs> well, I, I love it though we, we, i think you really do need that positivity um to sort of hold through through some of these tough times last thing so then and real quickly before we go didn't even touch on Scotty, but I, I found it really impressive seeing him play entirely two different roles. First with the starters, you know, more of a connector, more of short rolling, making the next pass, did a really great job setting off some corner threes in the first quarter. And then second quarter, I thought was his best quarter. So good at running the show, um, finding mm-hmm. Chris at the basket, some kickout passes as well, um, getting his own bucket when it was late shot clock. Yeah, I mean, just just your your impressions watching Scotty in that first half, because I thought for me and the player of the first half was Scotty Barnes. For the Raptors, at least. Yeah, I mean, like Scotty is such an interesting game because his game can be very quiet, and but people don't realize whether his game's quiet or loud, it's effective. Mm. So, like, and I, I love the fact that you did point out that Scotty was probably like the player of the first half. I think I, I think I'm sticking with Chris Boucher in this player of her player of the first half. Fair. However, Chris Boucher would not be able to do what he did if it wasn't for Scotty. So you make a fair case there. Um, and Scotty, you're right; he was a playmaker. Um, he was finding his teammates, but my, you know, he had six assists in the first half. And yep. I, I got to talk to him, you know, I think I did a hit last night about the pride he takes in passing and finding and finding his teammates. Like, you know, Scotty's actually a very unselfish player. Um, and, you know, considering his level of stardom so young, mm-hmm. that's a rare quality to have in a guy. So, right. you know, I, I remember talking to him um, previously, uh, uh, just after the Knicks win that we in Madison Square Garden, um, and he was telling me that like he loves the no look passes that it's been like a focal point for him growing up, and then um, and that like he just loves getting his teammates open, whether it's a no look pass or a, or a tough screen. He, that's like something that he really takes pride in. Right. I think that's something that we saw in the first half because when you have a player like that that doesn't have the ego to necessarily be like I need to get mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's going to find his teammates, and that's that's just the recipe of a, of a successful team. Like, that's just, like, you know, like having that guy that, ha- like, can find his, 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 his guys, but is also a scoring threat. Like, you absolutely cannot take your the, the, the break off of Scotty and just let him facilitate all the time. Like, you have to make sure that you're up in his space because the moment, like, you give him a little bit of space or, or, or anything, he's going to take advantage of it. He's just going to gra- go straight to the rim and, like, turn on that light switch and when you turn it on it's really hard to turn it off with him because he he will just continue to attack but um yeah no he you're right he he just found his teammates in the best pockets and in the best spots on the floor for each and every one of them um and it just goes to show you just his decision making on the court and why he can truly be a bit more of like a point forward type and he's that versatile guy for sure yeah all right savannah appreciate your time um enjoy Enjoy the Bay. Um, I don't know how much time you got um, there. Uh, I suppose just really the rest of today. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's truly so beautiful, though. Go go out in nature. The city itself is just whatever. But, um, you know. Yeah. You got to go see the, the sea lions and stuff. They're in the wharf. You got to go to the 
you got to go to the bridge, obviously. You got to see the big trees. It's really one of yeah. a kind place. I don't know if you've been to the bay before, but it's it's I've one not. of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will uh, go to practice and then spend the rest of my day outside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You'll already be exactly. You're already down at like, um, I forget where, like Market Square or something like that downtown in something like that yeah all right savannah take care appreciate you all right right. one of seven down all right you still got six more of these to go for real all right here we go (laughs) take care will all right appreciate you okay we're gonna take a quick break i've been your host willu and you've been listening to the raptor show on the sports radio network when we come back we'll be joined by espn nba insider bobby marks have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge discussing the biggest stories that matter to toronto sports fans the fan morning show with alish forfar and justin cuthbert subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Thanks to Savannah Hamilton for joining us in the first segment and for the second segment. Uh, as promised, Bobby Marks from ESPN, former NBA executive. Uh, Bobby, appreciate your time. I, you know, I was actually just thinking about this because I was thinking about sort of how Messiah and Bobby will approach, you know, this very, very busy, crucial time of the year. And I was, I was thinking about it, too, and I was like, well, Bobby, you probably dealt with Messiah around this time in years past. And I was thinking about when would that have happened? And of course it was one of Masai's signature deals, right? Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Now that one to, uh, you know, ultimately went to the Knicks, but I know the Nets were involved in that. So I I, I wanted to start here. Oh yeah. What was it like dealing with Masai? You know, it's funny. Um, I dealt with, yeah, when Masai got the Denver job and Billy King had gotten the Nets job. And I, I, I remember being at Disney world and with my kids who are now, in high school um and billy king texted me he's like hey there's this guy in De- in uh, denver named masai ujiri i've never spoken to him can you get his phone number for me because i want to call him about carmelo <laughs> Anthony. so yeah. that was like and that was i mean that was talk about a long i mean gosh, thank god that social media how it is nowadays wasn't back then because mm-hmm. that was you know, I mean, that was a, a what started in September and it ended in February. Him being traded to the Knicks, and um, but that was, you know, I, I primarily dealt with Pete Delsandro, who was um, his number, size number two guy during right. everything there. Um, but yeah, that was a long and winded um, a process with uh, with with that. It worked out for certainly worked out for the Nuggets, and then with Bobby. You know, Bobby was in the league office for a long time, and you know he was my point of contact whenever we had you know we had to make you know we were doing trades. You know, right. like I would call Bobby and be like, "Hey, like, does this just double check and does it work?" And then when we did trade calls, he was on there with us. So yeah, I've known um, both people, uh, both guys for for a long time. To you know, as you know, too high level, mm-hmm. um, and it's yeah, it's a critical point. It's I don't know if it's deja vu like 2021, like Kyle and Norm. I think this is a a lot better roster. Um, yeah. You know, certainly last night, like 
you watch the Sacramento game, you're like, hey, everything's good in the world, I right? Know. <laughs> like, I know. You know. And then you get some games and you're like, oh, man, like I, we got to move Gary or I don't know if I can pay Fred and stuff. So that's hard. It's just yeah. not an easy decision here because this is it's so much different than the offseason. As you know, when you're making, you're not basing it off any, you know, you're not, you're just basing it off like how do we think this roster will look going into training camp? We're here. You're basing it off like the, the remaining 30 games. If we make a big trade, do we still have enough to get in? Or what, what type of direction are we willing to go? So not easy decisions. That's why they pay these guys a lot of money to make them. Um, and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Yeah, Bobby, I mean, just speaking to last night's game, you, you think a, a really great road trip can change your mind like, you know, two weeks before the deadline or no? Well, I just think it's it's a matter of um, what what the desire here as far as I think you know Gary's interesting because he's got a you know both guys are interesting because he's got a player option in his contract and mm-hmm. you know I think the cost for him will be maybe similar maybe a little bit north of where his salary is and you know based on Fred coming up and then Pascal eventually and then OG then Scotty you know are you comfortable paying you know basically five guys you know, north of $20 million. Right. I mean, that's probably the reality of, of things. I mean, you, you don't have to do anything and maybe deal with it, um, deal with both players in the, in the offseason, whether it be signing trades or, you know, like it's not like just because you think you might lose them, you have to do something here. And you mean how the East is, is, is bundled up. I mean, I think you really have to go on a really um, a pretty good run to get to, to, into that top six. Right. I mean, like, but, you know, I think you can get into that, into that seven, eight range. Um, and, you know, if you, if you have a good West, Western Conference road trip, but, hey, they might lose the remaining, you know, whatever, six games here. And we might be saying, like, I think it might be time to do, to do, to do something. Um, um, but that's the beauty of, you know, the beauty of the trade deadline. You know, once it passes, this is kind of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, from a management perspective, like, at this time of year, are players just coming up to you all the time and being like, hey, I heard this. Am I getting traded? I'm like, oh, I heard this. Am I getting traded? Or all of those stuff. Is, is, does that come well, to management we, or does that go to the more? Yeah, the I mean, well, I mean, we had, I think we had traded Brooke Lopez about six times when I was in New Jersey, <laughs> Brooklyn. I mean, there's six different times and then you get to the point and um, you didn't want to go down to practice and watch cause you're just sitting there and they're like staring at you. Right. <laughs> I mean, like it's, <laughs> it's an uncomfortable awkward. feeling. It, re- it really is. I mean, it's, it's not a good feeling. And then and you're on the plane with them and they, they, you know, I think nowadays it's a little bit more challenging just because of, you know, we could hear Fred's name in, in a rumor and maybe there's no intent as far as, you know, them doing anything with him. Maybe the goal is to bring him back on a long-term contract and right. stuff. So I, it, it's a different, you know, it's a little bit of a different world than it was, you know, five or six years ago here. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think as long as you're honest with players, I mean, you know, I think if, if you're honest with players, um, honest, it's, it's a good thing that when, if your name's being mentioned, because that means somebody wants you mm. um, here. But I think there is a little bit of a, a sense of relief once 501 passes on, on that February 9th. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, okay, so in terms of the Raptors themselves right now, you definitely hear about them all the time. There's, they're probably the most mentioned team. And, and I think a lot of um, reports are that sort of the Raptors are, I don't know if they're holding up the trade market or if those are sort of, sort of like the team that has potentially the most to sort of um, potentially sell or liquidate here, uh, you know, two weeks before the deadline. But, you know, my, my thinking is just like I want to ask you two things. Number one, like which player on the Raptors would get you the biggest return midseason? OG. Okay. Why? If, you, if that's what you wanted to do. I mean, I think there's 
I think the OG situation is is contingent on on one thing. I think it's contingent on um, some changes in this upcoming next CBA. I think if the league changes the extension rules where it, you allow, instead of a 20% increase, and you are allowed to extend that player based on the percentage of the salary cap. So for a guy like, let's say, OG, next, uh, let's say next, this upcoming offseason, let's say 30%, right? Mm-hmm. I think he would he would garner the biggest haul because a team knows that they they don't have to wait until the off season of 2024 to sign him as a free agent, and they can extend him um, they can extend him for a large number. And that could be the same for Toronto. I mean, Toronto could be the same thing where they say, you know what, the extension rules are going to change. I'm not doing anything with him. I think we can sign him to a long term contract this this off season and not basically be restricted here. But I think. Big wings are enticing. Um, I know being in Brooklyn and New Jersey, we'd sit around the, you know, in our conference room figuring out how to get a six eight, six nine guy who can defend, make shots. I know he struggled a little bit in his, you know, and you know, you know, before this trip started, um, you know, on those five games. And but I think he would probably, go, you know, I mean, I'm, I'll take Scotty out of the equation here. You know, I'm yeah, not, not talking about Scotty either. But I think, I think, I think OG would. I know, you know, certainly, I think then you're probably looking at Pascal. I think. My concern with Fred is, A, yes, he's got the um, the player option here. The likelihood is that he's going to be a free agent. My note, my concern is long-term, I guess. I just, I'm just i concerned about the wear and tear a little bit, the minutes played. Yeah. I mean, you, you've seen it firsthand. Still a high-level player, but I, I think we, we get into it uh, sometimes a little bit of a predicament when we're rewarding players kind of what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with extensions and not what the future holds. And I think he'll be really good, you know, high level probably for the next few years. But what does years three and four look like? Or, or is it something that, you know, you just deal with then when, when the cap goes up here. So I think that, you know, probably, you know, Fred and, and Gary, I think, you know, I think if you're looking for a guy and you're not comfortable paying, you know, and, it, and if he's a rental, for the remaining three or four, you know, three or four months here, like a team like New Orleans, right? If I'm mm-hmm. the Pelicans, I'd be calling Toronto and say, "Hey, I'll give you a, you know, we've got a, a bunch of, you know, a, one good draft pick, and we've got salary to make a deal. And if, if Gary Trent can Jr. can win you a playoff game, something they don't have off that bench, then that's mm-hmm. probably what I'm, I'm looking for right now." Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because there are certain pieces, right? Obviously, Pascal is the most accomplished out of this group, and he's definitely the best player on the team at the moment. Um, but it's it's hard midseason to, to trade for a player like that, right? Because you have to fit yeah. so much around them. Yeah. It, that's more of a move where you make in the offseason where you have a plan in place and you can build a team and make moves of that in mind. Um, with OG and Gary, I think in particular, they seem like very flexible pieces that you can plug in. And I do wonder, in a case of an, a guy like OG, does a contender look at it like we have, no matter what, you know, if, if the CBA changes and the extended rules changes, we can get them for long term. But if we trade for him right now, we can get him for two playoff runs. A guy who's yeah. an elite three and D guy who just did a great job against Sabonis yesterday. Even though he's, you know, OG's a small forward, Sabonis is the center. Yeah, a guy who can switch like that—that that has to be have. That that might also, I guess, be slightly more um, enticing, you know, mid-season as compared to a star. No, it's a, that's a that's a great um, it's a great statement. I mean, you're right. I mean, it, mid-season trades are hard. You know, I mean, we made we we went and acquired Darren Williams from Utah in 2011, but we were a lottery team, right? Like it wasn't like we were a 50-win team, and 
you know, Darren was coming in here to kind of get us from a first round team to a conference finals. Like that wasn't like, we were just like, all right, the next 20 games is kind of an audition and see what we need to put around him next year here. And right. I think you know, for, if for OG's standpoint, I think you could just basically throw him out there. I think Gary, you can throw him either start or have him come off the bench for 25, 30 minutes where Pascal, where like he's going to be one, either your best or your second best player. And then it's trying to figure out like the other pieces around. And that's, that is awfully hard to do when, um, you know, in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, now, I think from the Raptors' perspective, I, I think, you know, there has been a case made, and, and it's not like that hard of a case to make that maybe they take a temporary step back this season and they sort of, you know, tank. Or even if they want to go more dramatic and say, we, you know, this is a great time to capitalize, we're going to move a couple of our veterans away and, and just go completely young and maybe lean into a tank. Um, you know, that makes sense on paper, especially on th- in theory. But I do wonder, in the Raptors' particular situation, do you think it would be a tough sell to management if you were Masai and you're going to Larry Tannenbaum and you're saying, hey, Larry, I know you trust me here, but I think our best move here is to sort of move off of these guys right now and go into a tank for two, three years. Because I was thinking about it, like, look, the Raptors were at the very peak in 2019 when they won the title, right? Got yeah. so much excitement. 2020, Kawhi leaves, but they're still a really good team. You're still charging great prices, you, the building is packed, you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to be the one seed. Now, of course, they don't actually get any of that revenue because they had to play all of that in the bubble. The next season, they're not even here in Toronto. You get literally zero dollars from it. In fact, they probably lost money having to play in Tampa. And then the following season, last season, even though they returned to Toronto, it was 50% capacity sometimes, it was 80% capacity, then it was 0% capacity for a month. So I, I do feel like maybe you lost a lot of money and it's probably a little bit financially more difficult of a sell to management if they wanted to pivot in that direction. What do you make of that idea? I don't think you have to go full rip down, you know, tear down the house and knock it down to the foundation. Like I think doing that is extreme and then trying to build it up is extremely hard. Even, even, you know, it's, I mean, Houston has been digging out post Harden for a long time here, you know, but that's a little bit different management. That's probably a little bit of a different direction. I do think, what Utah has done, um, I guess Indiana to an extent, that you can, I guess, kind of pivot um, and not and just kind of go in that middle area, but not being on that, I guess, that treadmill of mediocrity and have no, have no path, right? right I think right. you could pivot and still have a, a, a foundation, whether it be like, let's say, you know what, we're going to keep Scotty and we're going to keep Pascal and then we're going to move off the three other players and we're going to get a boatload of picks for OG and we're going to get some other things here, right? Or maybe get some rotational players and we're going to have a ton of cap flexibility or finance, you know, whatever going forward here. And we're still going to be, you know, we're not going to be a top five team, but we're going to have the infrastructure to one day get there where right now we don't think we can. I think that's probably more of a direction than basically having a fire sale and then, you know, tearing it completely down because going the fire sale row, I, I just, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm probably more concerned. They've won too many games to basically get into the Victor sure. sweepstakes or scoot or, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe if they're seven or eight going into the lottery that you can probably jump up, up there. But, um, and that's hard. You know, I mean, I think Oklahoma city probably would have loved to have been in the, um, in the, in the Victor sweepstakes here, but they've won 23 games. And I think there's, as they've shown that, and they're different than Houston because they've got an all-star in, in Shea, right? They've drafted well with mm-hmm. Giddy and Jalen Williams and um, Lou Dort, who's an undrafted player here. So I think that's probably a little bit more of the model, I guess. Um, maybe you take a step back for a year, but you're not you're not in the bottom for for you know three or three or four years. Right. And, and look, that that's kind of what happened when the Raptors were in Tampa. 
Well, you know, I was thinking about that too, but it was like, well, it was easier to do when it was in Tampa when there was literally no fans in the building. You're not even in the same city remotely. Um, and there's a pandemic going on. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things that sort of really factored into that one. It might be a bit of a tougher thing right now, at least for me on paper. But, you know, I, I think, you know, if if maybe it's just a Sacramento win talking, you know, I've never been so excited to beat Sacramento um, <laughs> in my life. I was so thrilled last night at 1 a.m., um, but yeah, Bobby, well, you do, got, and you got production off your bet, you know, with Chris oh, yeah. and, uh, you, you know, and precious, right? Like, yeah. and I've been, I know that it, 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 I tease those guys when I always put out like, Hey, bench scoring tonight is 32 to five, you know, like it's hey, like, that's not even teasing. Think, that's just reading the, the numbers. Sometimes. No, I think what happens is, is that the eventually like, you know, the, the starters will run out of gas here, right? Like, mm. eventually, like, you, it's not sustainable. It's sustainable over 16 games if you had a football-type schedule, right? Yeah. It's sustainable, but when you're doing it this way and you're playing back-to-backs or every other night, it's it's hard to do. And when you get some relief, whether it be, you know, those two players or, you know, nights when your bench is giving you more than just seven points total, it helps mm-hmm. and it refreshes kind of, you know, some of these guys when they come into the back into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, like from, from like a front office perspective, when you have a team like the Raptors who were without some pieces due to injuries. Now I'm not saying at all that the Raptors issues this season are just injuries or it's beyond that. But like when you do have a lot of absences from the lineup, like how do you remain patient? You know what I mean? Because that uh, invariably is a big factor in terms of why they're not performing well. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, you saw. I mean, especially when you're 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 kind of limited what resources to go out and sign players. So you go out and you sign Otto with for you know most of your um, most of your mid level exception, right? Yeah, that, that didn't work. And out. he's that's, hurt. Yeah, work. and he's hurt. I mean, that's where I think that's where teams kind of you know the guy when you're when you know you didn't have uh, you drafted Christian in the second round, you didn't have a first round pick because you traded it for um, for, for Thaddeus here, and so you're you're limited for as far as and then you know, Precious is hurt, Otto is hurt, um, Chris was hurt earlier in the year, so you're a little bit more you're restricted here where you're looking down at your bench and you've got basically two two guys on two way contracts and, and a couple of players who are undrafted. It puts a lot of pressure on Nick. So, the part of you says, you know what, just play these guys and let's see what you have. But from a coach's standpoint, you're, you're saying like, you know what, I got to put my best five out there, yeah. even if I'm playing them 38, 48 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's where sometimes, you know, you do feel like, okay, obviously management brings in all these players, but sometimes a coach can only trust certain guys who have shown them something before. You know, I'm sure obviously that's sort of a, a daily give and take sometimes between front office and, and, and coaching. Um, you know, this win over Sacramento, like I said, super excited. Is there any chance that uh, the Raptors, you know, surprise us all and actually add at the deadline or at least pivot? Because you do hear things like, okay, the Raptors continue to be interested in Jakob Pertl. He's the one yeah. that got away for Toronto, apparently. Um, they want him back. And, you know, there's this idea that maybe we use Gary to sort of move him. To me, that just seems like you're really taking from a position of weakness already in terms of the Raptors shooting and, and adding... Um, <laughs> At defense, <laughs> another big. <laughs> yeah, adding another big. But at the same time, you know, I mean, I mean, do you think San Antonio will really get two uh, first round picks for Pertle, or is this sort of more posturing? That's hard. That's, that's a little rich. I mean, that's yeah. a little. I think. I think a first. Um, yeah, one is know, fine. One is fine. One's fair. Yeah, I think for Toronto's sake, it's you know probably a protected first. Um, you know, Pertle, I think is more probably a play for long term, right? right? I think that's probably what you're looking at more as far as you know the goal is to trade for him and then resign him just because of. Where you are financially, you won't be able to go out and get him as a free agent um, based on you know the salaries here. Same way you did, similar to what 
they did with Thaddeus as far as trading for him and then having his bird rights to, to kind of bring him back. But yeah, I think that's probably more of a, if you're going to, you know, not, you know, trade off some of your players, um, you know, if you're going to pivot, that's probably more of a, you know, uh, a, a, you know, you're basically kind of looking at one position and, and moving, you know, one of your better guards or one of your few guards here for something that can help maybe long-term. Yeah. And, and listen, that's not an easy thing to do because Jakob is going to get signed to a bigger deal in the offseason as well. So you got to be ready to pay. And of course, Raptors already have a lot of guys that they're needing to pay this summer too. So, you know, you don't want to necessarily add to that. Uh, last thing before I go, Bobby, I just, you know, especially thinking about San Antonio and, and Jakob Proto, is, is there something to the idea that like certain front offices just have really good relationships with other front offices? Because Raptors have yeah. obviously made two deals now with San Antonio and potentially a third if they get Jakob. Is, is, yes. is that a thing? There is a comfort level of dealing, you know, everybody's got relationships. And look at the Wizards and, and the Lakers, yeah. right? Sorry, like, the Lakers have, know, like, I mean, four <laughs> guys from the Wizards back in the 2020 roster, yeah. Well, and two of the first, two of the second-round picks that the Wizards got back were part of the Westbrook trade from whatever, 2021. So, yeah, I think yeah. there's there's more of a comfort level as far as, um, you know, I think the goal when you go into this is that for everyone to kind of, you know, um, make out as far as, you know, a, a being a positive deal for both sides here. You're not trying to, you know, you know, outsmart somebody. I think it's, you know, when you have a comfort level that you're going to get a fair offer, you're going to get there's a comfort level that maybe it doesn't get out to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there's a tendency for some front offices for things to be out there more. So, yeah, I mean, you Utah and Cleveland, you're, yeah, Utah, Cleveland's a good example. Those guys have been, uh, they've made a ton of trades over the lot, you know, certainly the Mitchell trade. Um, but there is a relate. Yeah. There is a relationship business here when, um, you know, when you look at Toronto and San Antonio, certainly from Kawhi to, you know, in the past, uh, you know, in the past, you know, Thaddeus certainly here um, that you can get a deal done. Um, and there's not, usually what happens is, is that there's such a process where, Hey, we're, you know, this is what our front office will do. You know, this is what you'll do. And then you got to take it to the next step, whether it be ownership and then um, your finance people. And sometimes it drags forever. And right. I think if you know that you you know that it's only, it's going to be a go, I think that's a little bit more of a sense of peace. Fair enough. All right, Bobby. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you. I know you're very busy at this time of year, so thank you. Yep, you're welcome. Have a good day. All right, that's Bobby Marks of ESPN. Catch him on Low Post. He's excellent with Zach Lowe in particular. Uh, but we've run out of time today. Uh, I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the program. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sports YouTube channel and airing live on Sports 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to producer J.R. Manitad, our board producer Derek Bendale, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping with the YouTube stream. And I'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow.